And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being Saved. That is the first church gathering ever, fully devoted to gather in, to grow up, to give to, and to go out. Today, we're going to be looking at how to grow up. Let's give Rob and Kayla a hand for sharing with us how God is growing them It's bold when you share with your church what God is doing, but he's doing some really cool things. He's building something new. Do you feel it? I feel it. He's doing, building something new in this church. He's building something new in our cities. He's building something new on the Texas State campus where they have just welcomed 6,200 freshmen. I was a freshman in 2008, and I am thankful that there was a body called Crosstalk, called Cypress Creek Church, that plucked me out, reached me, and uh, for that, I'm here today. So so we got got to go, but that's not the message today. The message today is grow. We want to grow up. Did you ever uh, answer the question honestly, what do you want to be when you grow up, when you were a kid? You know, we probably answered that question a whole lot. What do you want to be when you grow up? Funny thing about that question is we don't answer it honestly. We say, what do we want to do? We answer it with a vocation. We answer it with a job. We answer it with, with some sort of profession, We answer firefighter and pilot and lawyer and business person and doctor and no one ever says pastor. So, you know, you you answer, what do you want to do? There's a problem with that. And I want to hit it this morning because today we want to look at who do we want to be when we grow up? I'm still growing. We're still growing. Who do we want to be when we grow up. I do want to know, though, anybody do something that they actually said they wanted to do when they were a kid? I had two in the early service. It's always the teachers. It's always the teachers and builders and other, Ben, you probably said pastor, too. You're probably one of, yeah, there you go. So, so what do we want to do? Here's the thing about that question. When we focus on the do, we then tie our identity to things that we do. But when we focus on the be, we focus our identity in who we are. And my friends, as followers of Jesus, if you have said yes to Jesus Christ, you are a son and daughter. The do comes after the be. We're gonna look at some things this morning on how to grow up to be like Jesus. And you can read either a list of do's Or you can say, man, because I am a child of the Lord Most High, I get to participate in these healthy habits and grow up to be 
like Jesus? What would happen if all of us took it seriously and were devoted to grow up to be like Jesus? These four Gs, gather, grow, give, and go, all encompass what it looks like for us to be a part of his church. We gather in. And, and it's great to, to gather in, but there's a problem that, that we, there's actually a few problems that we come up with when we just gather. We have a growth problem. We don't grow up. We may grow wide. We, we can get bigger numbers wise. We can also get busier, more church, more uh, community groups, more studies, more all of this stuff. But today I wanna focus on how to truly grow up in this incredibly busy world that we're looking at. So first I wanna uh, call out a couple of distractions that keep us from growing. The first one is that we run a little fast in life. Anybody with me feel already first week of school that you're already running a little fast? I was meeting a friend a couple of weeks ago and, and, and he just said, hey, I feel like you have a problem with speeding. I feel like that's one of your struggles. And I'm like, how did he know? It's probably, probably, probably because I've talked about getting speeding tickets up here. But, but I do have a problem with, with going fast. I, I go too fast. And so the first thing that we need to do is slow down. Focus on the be versus the do. Slow down. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 9, 23. Uh, Paul is speaking about the things of ministry. He's talking about being all things to all people in order that he might win some. So he's talking about reaching out in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 23. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. See, I'm all, I'm all in right here. I'm like, let's go. It's, it's a race. We have to go. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul is talking about disciplining the body. He's talking about training. This morning, we're gonna be looking at five fundamentals of the faith that train us in a godly way because we're, gonna, we're running a race. But here's the thing, we're not running 100 meters or 200 meters. We're running a marathon. Sometimes we think that this faith is, is just, all right, gotta say the prayer, gotta go to church, boom, I'm good, baby. I got my security in heaven. I can just coast. No, God wants to grow us every day, every week. I had an, an incredibly wise man, coach me, he invited me on some runs with him. And, and before I knew it, I'd signed up for a marathon. And I ran, I, I learned some things that if you wanna go the distance, you have to slow down. You can't run what you run in, your, uh, in a 5K or a 10K for 26.2 miles. You have to significantly slow down your pace. In fact, I'd encourage anyone that thinks they can't run a certain amount of distance, if you actually slow down and your knees are good, 
You could do it. You could do it. Because when we slow down, we go further. This race is a marathon. Slow down. Another uh, a problem that we have is that we're devoted. We are devoted people. We're very committed. We're very loyal, but to a lot of different things. We're spread too thin. In 1 Timothy 6, 4, 6 through 10, Paul teaches us how to prioritize godliness. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. A lot of godless myths out there, a lot of old wives' tale, but today we're going to learn how to train ourselves to be godly. Uh, verse 8, for physical training is of some Value. So here's the deal. If, if, if you are, you know, devoted to your health, physical exercise, phenomenal. Keep on going. But read this. But godliness has a value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. So we have gym memberships. We, 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 we prioritize our health. We prioritize our mental health. Those are super important things. But what this is teaching us is if we prioritize godliness, that has a value for all things. See, when we prioritize our spiritual health, then we can understand that, of course, we need to prioritize our mental health because God is in the business of transforming us, of renewing our mind. We should take care of our physical bodies because they're temples of the Holy Spirit. Godliness has a value for all things. We're devoted to a lot of things. We're living too fast. Couple more. We're too independent. We like to go at life alone. We like to set our goals. We like to run a race and say, this is my race. I'm gonna reach that goal. When we were created, when we first came out of the womb as dependents, there's a noise right now that is bringing me a lot of joy, and it's all the newborns that we have in this church, and we have more to come. That is a blessing to have that little noise around, especially when it's not in your own home. So, that is an amazing blessing to see new life and see the dependency, the vulnerability of that little baby and its need, their need, sorry, their need for mom and for protection. Then we want to train our kids to be independent, right? We want them to soar. We want them to fly. We had uh, our, our three-year-old go to school for the first time this Monday. And he was holding mom's hand on the way to school in the hallway. And then uh, he just let go, looked up. Mom told me this and said, hey, mom, I don't need, your hold. I need to hold your hand anymore. I'm good. Just walked right into the classroom. Y'all, that's too independent. He's three. We need to teach him how to be more dependent. <laughs> too soon, man. Slow down, Samuel. Sheesh. But we do want them to grow up to be independent. But sometimes we just stop there. Y'all, last week we talked about gathering. We're not just created to be independent beings. We're called to be interdependent. We need 
one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul speaks to, to what happens when we're so narrow-minded, when we, when we follow other people and other people's agendas. He's speaking to this disagreement in the church in uh, uh, Corinthians. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Ouch. He's calling them immature. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You were still worldly. For since there is jealousy in quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Jealousy and quarreling, that's what happens when we do life independently. We start comparing, we start competing. We start looking at what everybody else is doing and, and running this thing called the rat race that this world wants us to get lost in versus recognizing that we're actually called to do life with one another under God's lordship and purpose and plan. He goes on to say, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to, to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. God is growing us. Uh, uh, one last distraction before we get to these five healthy habits is that, that, that there, there are these patterns in the world that are getting louder and that are getting stronger and that are getting more popular in our culture. But y'all, God is not surprised. It's all written here. It's just coming alive more and more to us. In Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, if in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are these patterns out there that are saying, hey, this will satisfy you. Hey, this is now the way that you're called to live life. Hey, this is what it means to truly love. And here it says, no, 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 no. It's not your way, it's, it's my way, and my way is, is, is through growth, it's through transformation. College students, as you seek God's plan for your life, recognize that he says be transformed. He wants us to change. He doesn't want us to stay like we are right now. So we have a growth problem. We, we grow wide, we, we grow busy, we grow independent, and we conform versus transform. I wonder, right now, if you were to take an honest assessment of where you are, would you say that you are conforming more to the patterns of this world or are you transforming? Is God changing the way you think? Is God changing your schedule, your priorities? My hope is that it would be the latter. And if not, my hope is that after this message, as we read how the early church grew up, that we would leave and also 
individually grow up. But first, let's, let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are here with us, that your presence is among us, and we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us through your word how to grow up to become more like you, Jesus. I pray that it would speak to every circumstance. I pray that through this, as we prioritize you, as we prioritize godliness, that we would see the rest of our lives transformed, that we would see the, 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 those around us, our families, our friends, our coworkers, our kids. We pray that they would also come to know, you, to know you, Jesus, and also be transformed. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, Jesus, in Luke 2.52, we don't know much about 13 to 30 in Jesus' life, but we, knew, we know that he grew. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That word stature means maturity. Jesus was growing. God was preparing. The Father was preparing the Son through time. And, and then we see the early church show us five healthy habits, five fundamentals. I mean, in sports, high school students, you know, basketball, if you get those fundamentals, if you work on that free throw, you're going to be successful out there on the basketball court. Fundamentals of the faith, how to grow. Let's start by reading the scriptures again, and then we'll go into these five healthy habits. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall. See, Jesus had just ascended into heaven, there were 120 people in this upper room. We talked about this last week. Holy Spirit came down, and they didn't stay in that place. They went out, and then the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter, and then through that message, 3,000 were cut to the heart, and they repented. They, they came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and made them, made them Lord of their lives. And here we have the first church, about 3,100 people that were fully Devoted. Could you imagine what that could have been like? See, they weren't doing all of these next five things. It's really important for me to repeat this. In order to earn God's love, grow up, any of that. No, 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 no. Their lives changed. They're doing this because of what God just did for them. So this is not a way to earn God's favor or, or do the right thing in the eyes of the Lord. This is the way that we trans continually be transformed and renewed because of what Jesus Christ did for us, his death and his resurrection. So the first one, it says that, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They practiced scripture meditation. These apostles were speaking what we have already written down, but it was something that they were doing that I wish I could have been a part of is they were connecting the dots because they had the 39 books of the Old Testament. They didn't have the 27 uh, uh, New Testament books yet. They didn't have the Gospels, the Epistles, Revelation. That was yet to come. They were speaking out truth in real time and connecting the dots of how God from the beginning 
had created them. There was a problem. We decided good and evil uh, based on our own standards, and then we rebelled, but God didn't leave us there. He came and made a covenant with this first man named Abraham, and you get the whole Old Testament, and then their end of that story chronologically is that they were exiled, and so Jesus then comes into the scene, and now they're celebrating this. They're, they're, they're devoting themselves to this teaching. How do we do this? Well, we practice scripture meditation. We read scripture, yes. We, we, we listen to it, yes, but we meditate on it. Joshua 1.8 as the Israelites were moving into the promised land, God gave them some commands and he gave them this, keep this book of the law. That's the first five books, the Torah. Always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This Hebrew word meditate means ha-ha. It means to ruminate. It's the same word that a cow, uh, that, that, that calls, a, when a cow is chewing on their food, it's actually, anybody do that when they read the Bible? I hope not, unless you don't understand something. Like, Why does this end? I now need to change the way I live my life. But that, that's what it, that, that's what meditating on scripture means, continually reminding ourselves of what God has written down. There's no better way to grow than to read the Bible. And when we have questions, seek out a, a wise counsel. Your community group leaders, send emails to anybody on the pastoral team. We're all on this journey of growing up to become more like Jesus as we read the scriptures. So that's the first one. The second one is stay social. They, it says that, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So they hung out. This is uh, to the point of being interdependent. They were with one another, the fellowship. Proverbs 27, 17 comes to mind. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend that probably sounded more like an argument. And, and it may have been really uncomfortable to the people around, like, why are you fighting? Why are you arguing? But then it, it resolves because you land on God's truth. You have that in common. You know, you have the, the gospel of Jesus Christ as a foundation of that argument. And so you get to that place of actually refining one another. We're called to do this life with one another, not alone. So stay social is the second. The third is find your secret place. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to prayer. This world is getting louder. Our news sources are getting louder. Information out there is getting louder. And this is a call to get quieter. We grow up when we have that secret place set with the Lord, it's foundational to our faith, where it's just us and Jesus. Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, find a closet, make sure that the door is closed so that no one can hear you because your father sees what you do in secret. It may be your car before you, you start your day, just a moment where you pause. You say, Lord, 
your will be done, not mine today. Lord, I'm, I'm willing to grow up. I wanna become more like you. What do you have for me today? It's about relationship, not a, a religious prayer. So prayer is vital to our growth. Martin Luther uh, came up with this quote, which I think is fitting because our lives are very busy. We don't have time to pray. Love what Sean said a couple of weeks ago. We make time. So we get to make time to pray. We get to make time. Maybe set a reminder on your phone and say, hey, you pray at 1 p.m. You stop what you're doing in your office or you stop what you're doing at home and you just pray and acknowledge that God is right there with you and that he is growing you find your secret place. Martin Luther says this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. It's counterintuitive, but it grows us. Find your secret place. Four is maintain a sense of awe. They were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul. The word awesome is way overused these days. This word awe speaks to the fear of the Lord, this sense that God is doing something in our midst, that the creator of the universe is present with us, that he knows us, that he calls us by name. And I love the order. They devoted themselves to, to meditating on scripture. They were uh, devoted to reading the Bible. They were devoted to, to, to the fellowship and they were praying and then they had awe. The book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is very relevant to our world today because it talks a lot about how many things in this world are meaningless. They don't make sense. They don't add up. There's no logic. Then at the end, if, after you read Ecclesiastes, read a gospel to get your spirits up. I recommend that. But after, at the end, Solomon, who's, who's teaching his kids, like, y'all, this world is crazy. It was back then. It still is today. Nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14 says, that's the whole story. Here's now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Sometimes we focus on the awe of the world and we're shocked by things and, and that's what captivates our attention. We were worshiping um, here earlier and, and I was reminded of Isaiah 8 and I wanna read that because I, I think it is a word for us in this season. Uh, Isaiah is prophesying, he's speaking about the coming Assyrian takeover of the Israelites. This is not good news. And he says in verse 11, it's not gonna be on your screen so you can look it up, it's Isaiah 8. Uh, verses 11, I'm gonna read all the way through 15. He says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does, not to be in awe and distracted by what everybody else is doing. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you fear. He is the one who should make you tremble because he will keep you safe. Do you see that? 
We fear the one who keeps us safe, but I wanna keep on reading because there's more. He says, and for the people of Jerusalem, so the people that aren't trusting in God, he says, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Y'all, let's be captivated by the awe of God. He's gonna take care of it. He's gonna take care of it. If we focus on him, that will grow us up to become more like Jesus and be like Jesus to a world that desperately needs to maintain a sense of awe. Rob also hit it on the uh, video. It, it, uh, when we fear God, we trust him. And so we don't have to figure out what to do when we trust God. All we gotta do is obey. Oh, you say, God, I don't get it. Like, I personally wouldn't do that. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't feel like I wanna do that but I fear you and I trust you. So here we go. Grow up. Last, many wonders and signs were being done. So and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The fellowship to the breaking of the bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done. God is a God of miracles. We need some miracles done in this room. I know of a few that need miracles right now to be done in their life. We believe that God performs miracles, that based on his wisdom and sovereignty, we will be healed either this side of heaven or next side of heaven. But here's what I want you to do. If you need a miracle, ask for one. Ask boldly. This was bold. The apostles were going out and they were performing these signs and wonders because they were showing that we serve a miracle-working God and that he is the sovereign Lord, the King of kings, the creator of heaven and earth. He has authority to do anything that he wants to do. Here's the miracle that I think we need in our culture right now. We need to speak the truth in love. If we do that, that is as powerful than any miracle that happened. This, this greatest miracle perhaps in the book of Acts is that 3,100 people were fully devoted to God. They came together. They had tremendous strength in this unity and they spoke the truth about who Jesus was. For the rest of Acts, you read how the church multiplied and even though they were oppressed and even though they were, they were, they were scattered, the church thrived through any sort of oppression. My heart goes out right now to the church in Afghanistan, who's, who's going through perhaps the craziest form of oppression that, that we're seeing right now, where there's been a takeover from night and day, and now every single Christian in that land that has had some sense of freedom is now taken away. We, my wife and I know of someone very personally who had a, a, a driver. She was working over in Afghanistan since before 2001 as a missionary and then stayed there as a contractor for, for a long time as both a missionary. Anyway, her driver was murdered. This was many years ago. This was six years ago. And, and it was the Taliban that committed this atrocity because she was meeting with her pastor who was seeing Muslims come to know Jesus. They're being oppressed right now. But you know what? We sang it last week. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Can prevail against me. I can go away today, tomorrow. 
It can prevail against my family. It can prevail against our security and our comfort but it will never ever, the gates of hell will never ever prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so as his body of Christ here on earth, we speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4 teaches us how to do this, and this is how I wanna wrap up, Ben. You can come back up, and he says, and he gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. This is this maturity. This is this sense of growing up to the measure of the stature, that same word from Luke 2.52, the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth and love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the body joined and held together by every joint with it, which, which it is equipped in each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, a lot of us are in relationships where we're doing maybe one or the other really, really well. Maybe we're speaking the truth really, really well. We got all the right answers. We're talking about God's truth and we're speaking it out. We're standing boldly in truth. And just as the apostles boldly worked miracles, we're also called, this passage teaches us that we need to boldly love. We need to want the best for them. We need to be praying for them. We need to be doing what Jesus did, which is die for his enemies. He gave up his life so that you and I, people that were far away from God, can be reconciled to the Father and can have everlasting life. And some of us are over here and, and we're just loving, 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 and that's great. But we'd also need to be bold and speak his truth into relationships, into circumstances, because our world needs an anchor. And we get to do that. We get to share that as we practice these fundamentals, not in order to, but because God loved us and gave his one and only son so that we can have and inherit everlasting life. So I don't know which of these resonated with you. I wanna put them all up on the screen, these these five healthy habits that this early church teaches us. Maybe uh, perhaps something that you need to uh, do is, is, is commit yourself. Be devoted to scripture meditation. You're missing that habit in your life. We have devotionals that go out every single morning. Somebody in the pastoral staff writes those for the body, not for their individual self, although they grow up too, but to grow the body. Maybe you need to uh, start attending a community group and, and check out and live interdependently and stay social or find your secret place and spend that time with him or, or maintain the sense of awe towards the Lord or speak the truth in love. God's growing me. I hope that you allow him to grow you up to become more like Jesus as well. If you're willing, please stand.